Holy Week began with such promise, a parade, a celebration. But today we return to Jesus' last words in his passion on the cross. As we prepare to hear and to receive God's word, let us join together in prayer, seeking God's illuminating grace. Come, Spirit of God, come. Alight upon us with truth and grace. Burn away all that distracts us from receiving the words of life that Jesus speaks to us today. And from following wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John in the 19th chapter, verses 16 through 30. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write, King of the Jews, but this man said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of, wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last year on Easter Sunday, NBC rebroadcast the rock, the rock opera musical Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert that had originally been broadcast live in 2018. The show featured John Legend as Jesus and was based upon the rock opera that first appeared as two LPs in 
1970 and then opened on Broadway in 1971. Jesus Christ Superstar portrays the events of Holy Week, the last week of Jesus' life from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. In Jesus Christ Superstar, there are many places where there are great deviations from the biblical record. The most grievous difference is in the rock opera. Jesus is portrayed as not being in control of the events that swirl around him. In the musical, Jesus is swept up and away in the political and the special uh, forces that both oppose him and promote him. In messianic fervor, the crowds hail him as superstar while the chief priests plot his death. In Jesus Christ superstar, Jesus is caught up in the forces beyond his control. And ultimately and reluctantly, Jesus finds himself nailed to a cross. He becomes a tragic figure whose falls and rises are all outside of his control. But the plot of Jesus Christ Superstar just doesn't fit the biblical narrative. The Gospels do not present Jesus as merely a victim of circumstance or of fate. Instead, in the Gospels, Jesus' suffering and his death is purposeful. The Gospel accounts depict Jesus as being the only one, the only one who is in control as, as confusion engulfs the crowds, the Jews, the, the leaders, the chief priests, the disciples, and Pontius Pilate. In Scripture, Jesus alone walks calmly and confidently to be lifted up on the cross. In light of the trauma that we have experienced over these last 12 months of pandemic, the physical and the mental health pandemic, a racial pandemic, social and political turmoil and unrest, it is as important now as ever to see clearly the truth that Jesus journeys to the cross and to his death because it's the culmination of his mission. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus' passion, his suffering and death are not accidental. These events are purposeful. The whole objective of his life, the goal of his mission, was to offer his life for others. The Son of Man has come into the world to bring to fulfillment the purposes of God. Jesus' death is the culmination of God's plan to redeem the world. It's the pinnacle of, of history. Yes, Jesus is a victim an innocent man, but he is not a victim of fate. Instead, he willingly offers up his life for the fulfillment of God's plan of salvation. During this Lenten season, we've been reflecting upon the words spoken by Jesus 
as he hung on the cross. Jesus' last words before death were spoken in his dire's hours. Each of these statements, these words, are full of meaning. And today, we look at the statement, it is finished. But actually, in the original language of John's Gospel, Greek, Jesus says only one word, tetelestai, tetelestai. It means what Christ began in his ministry is now brought to completion. His mission is accomplished. It is finished. This one word, tetelestai, speaks volumes about a task that is completely and successfully finished. But not that Jesus is finished. That Jesus' death was to be the culminating event of God's plan for saving humanity is unmistakable from the beginning of time. The Apostle Peter states that the the bloody sacrifice of Christ as the Lamb was ordained before the creation of the world, 1 Peter chapter 1. Thus, when our first parents, Adam and Eve, ushered in the curse of sin and death, God announced that, that one day God would reverse that curse. God promised to send one born of a woman who would be crushed for the the work of sin, would crush the work of sin. Yet in the process, this Savior would be wounded and pierced through. Through the period of the Hebrew Scriptures, God provided signs that pointed to the need of of an atonement of sin by a sacrificed Messiah. The bloody sacrificial system of the tabernacle and then the temple foreshadowed this. And the prophets foresaw it. The psalmist foretold it in vivid detail. The horrors of crucifixion in the haunting words of Psalm 22. The prophet Isaiah predicted a suffering servant who would willingly die in order to bear the sin of many. The prophet Zechariah envisioned the rejection and torture which which the coming king would receive would endure in order to accomplish God's plan of redemption. And so, sisters and brothers, when the time came for the promised one to arrive, his sacrificial death had been planned. The New Testament Letter to the Hebrew describes the conversation between God the Son held with God the Father at that time. Hear these words. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, see God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. The burnt offerings of Hebrew scriptures would never suffice as payment for the sin of the world. 
So God, the Son, entered the world with a human body and presented himself to do the Father's will as offering himself as that final and complete and all-sufficient sacrifice for the sin of the world. And how appropriate it is that Jesus began his public ministry and his forerunner, John the Baptist, pointed to Jesus and, and announced, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. A lamb was used for sacrifice, so John recognized that Jesus was destined for an atoning death. And Jesus himself proclaimed that this was his purpose as well. Several times during his final year in ministry, he announced to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day, third day be raised to life. Jesus recognized that his mission was to give his life as a ransom for many. And he knew beforehand the means of his death, crucifixion, when he said to the crowd, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And so when Holy Week does arrive, Jesus willingly offers himself to his enemies for execution. Unlike the depiction in Jesus Christ Superstar, Jesus is not caught up in the forces beyond his control. He, he is in control. Everything falls into place as he had planned. And on Thursday night, he willingly submits to his father's will. And when his enemies arrive at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus does not flee, but presents himself for arrest. And he reminds his disciples that he could call 12 legions of angels. But instead, he willingly goes so that he might fulfill the scriptures. At the first trial, Jesus claims before the high priest Caiaphas that he is the sovereign judge. Jesus is the sovereign judge who exercises the power of God. At the second trial, Jesus reminds the Roman governor Pontius Pilate that any power that Pilate exercises has been given to him from above. Jesus says, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate asked him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify, to testify to the truth. Pilate is not in control. God is. Jesus is. And Jesus is carrying out the Father's will. Nothing, nothing 
has caught the father or Jesus by surprise. As we return to Golgotha, the place of the skull, we see Jesus hanging on the cross. And as we have been discussing for the last six weeks, we also hear him speaking. And one of the final words he speaks is, it is finished. What is finished? Jesus' mission is finished. What has been accomplished by his suffering and death, the full atonement of all sin for every person who has been or will ever be born. Jesus willingly places himself on the altar of sacrifice, a cross, in order to finish his mission of saving God's people from their sin. If God's mission is accomplished, if Christ's mission has been accomplished, then what does that mean for you? Well, it means that the message is in these words. It is finished. The work of our salvation is done. It's completed once and for all. Again, from the author of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 10. And it is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And this passage continues by affirming that Jesus offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. The result of Christ's once for all sacrifice is that you have been made holy. Yes, you've been made holy in Jesus Christ. You've been forgiven of your sins. And now you are righteous and you are perfect in God's sight for the sake of Jesus Christ. His blood cleanses you from all sin once and for all. It is finished. This means that you don't have to contribute to your own salvation. You don't have to earn God's forgiveness or favor. It is done. It is finished. Jesus did it all for you. Everything necessary for your salvation is already complete. Jesus did it when he cried out in victory from the cross. It is finished. And what a joyous cry of victory that should be for us. And then Jesus bowed and he gave up his spirit. Instead of trying to earn your salvation... You are simply called to trust. You simply trust that Jesus Christ has fully and finally won your salvation. You are called to faith in him and in him alone. 
your redemption already is done. And now you just receive it in trust. Christ's work is finished. It is done. And we simply trust. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, God of amazing grace, we remember today the, the pain and the suffering of the cross and all that Jesus was willing to endure so that we could be set free. He paid the price. He completed his mission. Such a great sacrifice to offer us the gift of abundant eternal life. Lord, help us to never take for granted this gift of love on our behalf. Help us to be reminded of the cost of it all. Forgive us for being too busy or distracted by other things, for, for not fully recognizing what you have freely given, what you have done for us, and how we are now free. Thank you, Lord, that by your wounds we are healed. Thank you that because of your huge sacrifice, we can live free as we but trust in Jesus. Amen.